the Yak Babies. Sex, Presidents, and Sometimes Books. Welcome to Yak Babies, the only podcast on the internet sponsored by Extra Creamy Mashed Potatoes. Begin the countdown. My name's Aaron here, personal pals Dave. Hey, boys. We have Brick. Hello, boys. And of course, we have Old Nico. Hello. <laughs> 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 it will never stop. Today's episode, we're talking about those times we're reading a book and you come across a glossary of terms that you have to, or don't have to, but you can use to help you understand the book. The thing I think about when this comes up is when I first read Clockwork Orange when I was in high school, because it comes with a glossary of their made-up language in the future, NADSAT, and oh. you have to become, because they use it conversationally in the, in the book, the you know book is told from the perspective of Alex, our main character, who is you yeah. know a youth in this world, so he uses slang, and you have to pick it up. Now, it's like not the same as acquiring a language because you're mostly dealing with English and the rules of English, but there are terms thrown in that can throw you off there. And I loved the experience of reading that book because of the way I was able to notice how I adopted the NADSAT as I read. It came very quickly, and I was like, this is kind of fun. So you learn terms, and you become right. fluent in them. Uh, so we want to talk about those experiences with either made-up languages, other languages, even just like terms that are sort of, you know, not maybe every day, and how it sort of affects your reading experience. Brick, do you have uh, experiences like that that are notable to you? Yeah, I have a few examples of when it works and when it doesn't. Mm-hmm. I think, like Clockwork Orange, I think 1984 handles it pretty... I'm not even sure yes. 1984 has a glossary. I think some editions might, but no. I, don't, I don't think... There's a glossary written by Orwell. There's, oh, an, I think so. there's an awkward scene where, like, somebody explains Newspeak to somebody yeah, else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that, that, that part, you're right. That part doesn't great. But for the most part, the book just, here's here it is, learn it as you go, right? Yeah. Which, which I like. My An example of a book I really like that I think does the glossary thing very well is Watership Down, mm. where there's, like, a very few rabbit culture words or whatever that are sprinkled around yeah and they have a reason so like basically the only words that get rabbit words are things that can kill rabbits so like car badger things like that they don't have a word for everything in the fucking rabbit language because they're infuriating to read so there's a glossary in the back but there's also probably 12 words and they you learn them all through context right and then you don't need to be constantly flipping back and forth and then the most egregious example I can think of is, remember when we found that pile of books and we did the Judge a Book by Its Cover contest yeah. years ago? Sure. The one I landed on was this fantasy book that had probably eight or ten pages of glossary. And then like there was a whole hierarchy system for mm-hmm. like the colored gems people wore in their fucking ears and, and all this. And it was so complicated mm-hmm. and it didn't add anything. Besides me constantly needing to go back and be like, oh, what's a flogger dog? Oh, it's, it's a drink. Like, it's like, and so I think people, when, when they do that, they get so caught up on that world building piece that we've talked about in other episodes that it, if it becomes inconvenient for the reader mm. or not, if it does, and that doesn't add anything to me, right? Unlike 1984, where like you're kind of picking up the patois of the of the characters and it's really pulling you into the story right right um did clockwork orange have a glossary i think it did book in high school i can't remember i i recall it did i could be wrong with that but i think it did because i knew it took a while to figure it out yeah i definitely used the glossary to help me 
Yeah, I think it's nice when it's there if you need it, but not required reading. Like some of those fantasy books that I've seen, like they open with the fucking glossary. Right. Right. And like, here's all the words you're not going to know. I don't want to do this (laughs) at all. Start taking quizzes. Yeah. I mean, that feels almost like the kind of world building stuff that's more about the writer than the reader Mm -hmm. or more for the writer than the reader. And hopefully. (laughs) Right. If the reader needs it, I feel like that's great. (laughs) Right. But it's not. It's enriching the writer's experience of writing the story or book and being right. like, oh, "This is the world I created. Here's all the here's the word they use to talk about fucking diarrhea." Yeah. But you don't need as a reader you need to need always know or care about that. Right. Does it ever bump you? Does it ever like interfere with your reading when you get those uh, glossaries or strange I pref- vocab? I prefer when they're not necessary at all. I yeah. mean, I read a lot of fantasy books, mostly an audiobook, so they're. It's like there's no chance. I'm not skipping to the chapter where the, because in some there are. There'll just be a chapter at the end where they're like, the house Dracotis was a lord, you know, what the right. fuck? And they just read a list of <laughs> names for like 20 minutes. And it's like, oh. Take the Bible. Uh, okay. But I, but, I, but I mean, like, I would say most even fantasy books don't need them if yeah. they're well written. Right. And if they do, I feel like it's a failure of the writer to... Hmm you know, establish characters and be conscious that your reader doesn't speak the language you, you made up. Right. Dude, what about you? What happens when you're reading books and there's a glossary or, or sort of like uh, either made up terms or just terms you have to kind of master and understand the story? I prefer the ones where I have to figure it out myself. If there's hmm. a glossary and it, I guess, enhances the reading experience. Fine. I feel like that's kind of rare. My main problem with it is that I, if I'm presented with something like that, <laughs> I don't like it feels not optional to me. Like I feel compelled to <laughs> same with, you know, end notes, footnotes. Like if it's there, then uh, something in my brain makes me go take a look, even if it's not enhancing the experience at all. Even if I do like grudgingly, I'm like, fuck, here's another end note. Now I have to, you know, distract myself with that. Lose right, momentum. Right. I can't just completed. I can't just skip over it. Right. That's funny. Yeah. So, well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, he appeared to be on his team. <laughs> so what about, I don't know if this is the same, when, maybe not in a book in translation, because I think that's maybe a different episode altogether, but in a book where there's an English written book where there's a character who predominantly doesn't speak the same language or yeah. is, is bilingual, when they drop foreign words in how does that when does that work for you and when does it not i'd say it always works or you know if it, if it's if the book's otherwise well written it tends to work mm-hmm. um i can see it being clunky if the writer's not gifted like untranslated yeah so what uh, if you don't know the word i will look it up you know what's it feels like cheating now but the google translate app has a function where you can use your camera and put it over you know, phrase or, or text that is not in English it. and it'll translate it automatically. Right away. Yeah, basically. I did it, I was at an arcade and there was a game that was like a table flipping game. You have to flip a table. It has like an apparatus and on the screen there's like the tables covered in like glasses or whatever, like uh, something you have to like toss. So you flip the yeah. table and it tosses the glasses. You try and get points how far you can toss it. But it was all in Japanese. And so we use the Google Translate app to translate what the screen said to the instructions. And it worked pretty well. It's not perfect, but it's like yeah. kind of like Google Translate style, you know, yeah. imperfect translation. So you can use that too, especially for like one or two words. It kind of gives you a little leg up. 
it's like super lazy, but I'll do that. But if there's too much to translate, sometimes I will just rely on context and, and try to figure it out from there and, and not have to, to worry too much about it. Yeah, because if it's not translated by definition, it's not going to be that important. Or if it is, like, you fucked up. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah, next level Cormac McCarthy. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> fuck you. Here's a Cyrillic. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it always I always feel stupid when that happens. Cause I feel like it exposes my and most Americans like lack of language facility. You know, people like Europeans and people in the rest of the world, for that matter, are mostly bilingual because yeah. they know English and their native language, if not others. And most Americans only know and barely know English. Um, <laughs> yeah, but you still can't assume. I mean, you can assume somebody knows what like the spanish word for street is maybe right or like in context that they can get like a couple of easy words if you're dropping in like a sentence full of spanish like with subjunctive and like fucking passive tent you know no right <laughs> yeah i just think that makes me feel less you know decidedly not cosmopolitan right. and i think in the reverse if a reader who speaks Spanglish as their native language, Spanish as their native language, and then reads a book written in Spanish that includes a passage in English and they can read it and translate it easily because they're bilingual. Yeah. That's like very cool. And I feel like I'd be like, like looking up at my stupid translate app, like what does the word mean? That's like, I feel, you know, like a bumpkin in contrast, which I guess I am. <laughs> Land yeah. of the bumpkins. <laughs> so you brought up McCarthy. That's, I think my, interesting twist in this this topic is when a writer writing in english uses vocab terms that are mm. english terms that are yeah. inscrutable so the road was full of that mccarthy writes descriptions of the world especially in houses i found it most often mm. uh and uses very specific uh esoteric terms for architecture and design and so forth and craftsmanship that i did not know what the fuck he was talking about mm. and i looked up a lot of them and then eventually i was just like i don't fine this is fine i know probably <laughs> something strange and, and it's whatever and it makes me think of during uh our workshop days one of the workshops i was in i think i don't think you guys were in this one with oh me. boy <laughs> i had written a story and i included like a vocab term it wasn't even that it was like a like a sat vocab term like nothing fancy really and one of our workshoppers a noted writer themselves these days was very mad at me for using this word and was like how dare you like, how can you use that word like people are gonna have to stop and like look it up and that's gonna ruin the rhythm of the story and i was like how do you learn words like you read them and you have to learn them and like look them up that's part of the reading yeah. writing process and he was like uh well that, that just seems like stupid to me and i was like well you seem stupid to me uh, <laughs> well uh <laughs> did so when you were looking up words in in the road did did that like affect the story? Like, did that make it better? No, neither. It, or it, worse? Or? I was interested, and yeah. it was it was worth looking up for a while. But then at some point, I was like, "Well, there's too many in, the, in a row right here." And also, I get the idea. Right. Like, I I they're threw... just architectural. It's like the fancy word for cornice or whatever. Like, All right. right, fuck it. Like, all looking that up will do really is give me a better mental picture kind of of what he's talking about but even yeah. then it's like i maybe also don't know what a cornice is yeah <laughs> so it was like yeah but you know what it you, it's some kind of corner it's yeah you know, and it's also like crucial i get the idea of like an abandoned house like yeah i can put that together i've seen abandoned houses before and maybe it's not the exact one mccarthy had in mind but also yeah. writing is about readers as much as about writers too so it's yeah you know. yeah the like at some point i think you you deciding yeah i get it is a 
is a, you know, like it, with Blood Meridian, I'm looking up so many words and at some point it's just like, how many words do I need that describe <laughs> some sort of vegetation in the desert? You right. Know? Yeah. Like, okay, I get it. Yeah. Fewer. I will very rarely look up a word I don't know when I'm reading. Hmm. Yeah. I have to really, like, be interested in what the word might mean. Like, if it's just... Yeah, you know, or I need to like be a... unable to discern hmm. the rest. Like, if it if it stops me from understanding, like, the entire paragraph, then hmm. I'll go look up the word. Otherwise, I right. will just move on and hope context fills me in. Yeah. I mean, it's the only to learn new words, but... That, too. Yeah. If I'm like, oh, that word looks cool, then I'll go learn it. But it's pretty rare I'll stop and... At, at best, what I'll do is write it down and look it up later. Right. Like the things Dude. with Blood Meridian, again, it's like, you know, I was looking up words left and right, and I have not retained any of them. So if when I <laughs> sit down to reread that book, I'm going to have to look up the same fucking words. And, you know, they're... <laughs> it yeah. is also weird that McCarthy does it because from the interview that Aaron found, like, he does all of that weird stylistic shit to, quote unquote, clean up the page. And like streamline mm. it, and in his own mind, it seems make it like make it like a simpler read, so that there's not dialogue tags or names to hold you back. Right. But then he puts in these fucking like eighteen architectural terms. <laughs> I like what the fuck. Yeah. Fuck. It... F- honestly, fuck him. Like a little <laughs> bit. Fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> Reading about him, it like he's like uh, his background is in, or it's not his background, but he's like really interested in biology and the science and stuff like that. He like he hangs out with yeah. a bunch of like scientists. Like he says a couple different times, different interviews. Like I don't like writers. I want to hang out with like people who are smart and like that's like scientists yeah. and like thinkers. That's fair. And so I think that he just like I think he just likes science stuff and he reads like scientific articles and I was like well here's right. this is the terms that I use so like why shouldn't you be able to use them too it's right like, well but we're not just you yeah to have one ethos like if you're gonna do that then fucking put dialogue tags back in you fucking dick like, <laughs> you get one you yeah get... <laughs> go one way or the other like if you're gonna if you're gonna strip out all of the fucking commas and like you know apostrophes maybe don't use the word like I don't know, zygotomatic or whatever. <laughs> you could just use like spermy. <laughs> <laughs> In the New York Times review of books, that's like Nico's like headline take on Corp Brothers new novel. Just, just use the word spermy. It's spermy prose, not spermy enough. <laughs> spermy prose. <laughs> <laughs> well, listeners, talk to us about your thoughts on. No vocab. Yeah, <laughs> leave leave sperminess out of it, or don't. Maybe include sperminess. Who knows? You can find us on Twitter at yakbabies. You can also email us those thoughts at uh, yakbabiespodcast at gmail And then, if you want more yakbabies content, there is more content for you on Patreon. patreoncom yakbabies, where we have our bonus podcast. There's tons of stuff there: goodies, jokes, games, discussions, a whole separate podcast about ghost jokes, for instance. Lots of fun there for you to discover. Please go check it out. I think it's worth your time and you'll like it. And then we have a merch store, tinyurl.com slash shackbabies, where you can get our posters, books, mugs, designed by Brick, all really fun and cool and worth your time. Until then, Yak Babies, yakking off. The Yak Babies would like to thank all the loyal listeners and especially their patrons, both past and present, including Michael, Bonnie, Sebastian, David, Roger, Kathleen, Bailey, Andrew, Gilbert, and William Howard Taft. 